All right, the racing is coming thick and fast, and we're headed into Leogang this week, so it's time for another Maxis Tyres pre-race show. Maxis is synonymous with racing and is the name that comes to mind when you think of performance. It's no surprise then that they've won more than any other brand in the history of World Cup and EWS racing. No matter where or how you ride, Maxis has the tyres for you with a wide range of tread patterns, casing and compound options. On my enduro bike, I've got the DHR2 Max Terra Double Down on the rear for a little bit less rolling resistance, paired with the Asagai Max Grip up front in their slightly lighter XO Plus compound, saving a little bit of weight. The downhill bike has DHR2 front and rear, both with the DH casing and with their super grippy Max Grip compound. Both setups are working great for me, but check out what they've got to offer and see what's best for you. You can check out the entire range of Maxxis tyres over at maxis.com and find the tyres at your local Maxxis dealer. You can also give them a follow on Instagram where they're at Maxxis Bike. Alright, it's time to sit down with Chris Kilmurray to get his thoughts on the track, the weather, how the riders are coping with the new schedule and plenty more. So without further ado, here's our Maxxis tyres pre-race show for Leagang. <laughs> Chris Kilmurray, it appears that World Cups are like buses. You wait ages for one and then two come along at once. It feels like we're right into the thick of it super quickly. Um, and we're heading now into Leogang, back to back, no real time to breathe. Before we start talking about Leogang, let's just get your thoughts on what went down in Lenzerheide because that was a pretty epic weekend, I think. Yeah, I, I saw it from the inside, not the outside. So uh, a little bit different, I think, to obviously what you saw or what the fans saw. Um, I probably saw less of it than you guys did because I just spent my entire week on the track and then at the top for warm-ups and then back on the track and then kind of, yeah, just like a like a blue-arse fly, as they'd say in Ireland. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's it was super interesting. I think looking at the schedule on paper before it started, we knew it was going to be a really hectic week with not much time for... Uh, mistakes, errors, or analysis, really, like we're used to. Not not as much time to create a winning run, so the run, you know, winning runs had to be created kind of on the fly, so to speak. Uh, and that's kind of how it turned out. You know, we did Wednesday morning track walk as early as we could, and then juniors were on course um, Wednesday afternoon. And, you know, normally we'd, Wednesday afternoon would be relaxing after track walk and mingling about the pits and catching up with athletes or other people who work in the industry and just a nice, you know, build into the week and then a, a plan for Thursday morning to attack practice. Whereas now you're just kind of like, well, here you are, up the hill you go and riders and me and anyone else who's here, it's just get to it, you know, including mechanics, especially just throwing uh, wheels and tires, at it, you know. So, yeah, super yes. busy. Um, big, a big mental slash emotional um, load on on the riders and some of them dealt with it exceptionally well uh, how all the riders will deal with it as we progress to Leo Gang and then on to Val de Soli and everywhere else who knows yeah interesting so that that like compressed time scale that lack of ability to digest and analyze and kind of make improvements does that do you think that's that starts bringing things back towards individual rider talent and ability to read a track and ride it or is it still benefiting teams with big budgets that can afford to have enough staff that there's so many people that they can crunch the data and like get everything the rider needs to the rider? Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, the, re the reality is we're not crunching data in um, F1 style. Um, you know, you and I have a few mutual friends who work in Formula One and I, I have some friends who, who work in two-wheel motorsport and they, their style of data crunching is, is very different to ours. Uh, they have the time for it. They have the infrastructure for it. Uh, the car is, or the bike is worth 
six times with the rider, the driver's worth, sadly. <laughs> um, so it, it's slightly different. And no, I think, you know, by and large, you can see any anyone who has staff trackside and has a pretty solid system in place was still using that system. You know, and that was yeah. the same for me. Like, you know, we feed information via WhatsApp from trackside or whatever group you're in, whatever messaging system you use. Uh, a lot of coaches are doing analysis on, on phone-based apps, track side, or they have timing cells and timing beams, which usually needs two people to make the most of. Um, so a lot of the things were the same. I think it, it, it was just more so that if you were on the back foot from qualies, there, there was you couldn't just build towards that one big final run. You had to be ready for semis and you had to be ready to go for finals an hour and a half later. And if you weren't um, on it, you weren't in the, making the cut, you know, probably as as brutal if not more brutal for the women to just drop five women you know from from semis to finals than for the men so yeah um a cut cutthroat lethal week interesting and what was the general feedback then from the riders like were people into it were they struggling with it i'm guessing there's a bit of a mix there but what was the um, like overall i don't know if there was feel? a general i don't think there was a general consensus at all at least not what i heard and i asked as many obviously everyone i work with i spoke to as much as i could and um, with FMD, we're obviously all, you know, pretty tight. So we, we spoke a lot and debriefed a lot after um, after the race. Um, and then I spoke to as many other riders as I could about about what they thought of the two-run format and semi-finals and the quick turnaround from from quality day right through. And there is no, it doesn't seem to be general consensus. Some people are real keen. I think there's a couple of riders that I spoke to, I won't mention names, um, that feel that they're, you know, better prepared physically and technically tactically than everyone else so they want to they want to see how this goes they want to they, they want to take this opportunity to see if they can basically just wipe the floor with the opposition with the two run format and then other people i spoke to yeah are a little bit like ooh, this was uh, really the only general consensus uh, that i did get from the people who said it was definitely a hard a hard day in the office yesterday was that emotionally more than physically hard just to hype yourself back up again for sure so uh, as the season progresses we may see people getting less hyped for semis um, then finals or trying to find some sort of a, a balance between warming up and getting physically ready and knowing what you want to execute in your semis without getting finals finals vibes as the kids would say you know so yeah, interesting. it's going to take a while yeah yeah for yeah, everyone to sure, tune yeah. in what um what about fatigue levels like with that additional emotional load irrespective of whether you're riding more i'm guessing people are coming out of the weekend maybe a touch more fatigued and and you know it's asking a lot uh, to to go straight back to back into that same format yet again, like there's not really much time to to decompress it. Huh? Yeah, tough tough one. I, I've not fully been able to um, wrap my head around it. Like it's it's been 24 hours really now, and I rode a lot of loam tracks this morning, so <laughs> I've not fully wrapped my head around it yet. But there's, de- there's definitely I think there's some good data uh, to be had. You know, with the spread from qualies to semis to finals, I think Pink Bike have already released a. A bit of data, a bit of data analysis on that, and who who improved the most. So I think once you start digging into those things, and you get the actual feedback from the riders, so you're mixing the objective feedback with the subjective feedback, we'll start to get an idea as to who dealt with it better and worse, and and then you have to figure out why, whether it was big mistakes, whether it was the emotional load, the physical load. So I think it's just going to take a while to paint a picture, um, and some people really dealt with it very well. And I think we we spoke about it myself and Tani spoke about it, and a few other riders about how impressive the top eight ish elite men were their ability just to elevate again and obviously the the time wasn't in the track semi-finals was close to a finals pace run and, and jordan went whatever 1.5 seconds quicker than bruni's qualifying time at 1.7 
Uh, normally, we'd obviously see a, a four to six second improvement on this track from qualities to finals in previous years. That's what Amory did last year. I think it was four and a half seconds or there thereabouts last year. So yeah, the, the tracks get are at their limits almost in the semifinals. This one it was anyway. So there was only a couple of seconds to find, you know. Or in the case of Loris and, and Loic, they made some big mistakes and you know screwed their chance of winning. And then the women on the women's side of things, I think you could see that um, maybe the the physicality got to some of them a little bit more than it did to some of the men. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be because of lack of lack of training time. So Rachel, Tani, Marine. We're all coming back from from big hiatuses for injury and for you know childbirth and everything else in Rachel's case, and Rachel and Tanya both you know had had um, slow bottom bottom portions of track. Rachel, Rachel especially, and, and Tanya as well, and that's just a lack of a lack of seat time. But Rachel just rode so amazingly well up the top that she got the job done. You know, so yeah. I think yeah, really really interesting to see how erratic in some ways the women's racing was. Um, how crazy fast the junior racing was again, similar to last year. So we don't know the names like we knew Jordan and Jackson last year, but we'll know them we pretty will. soon, I think. <laughs> yeah. And then the men's racing was, I think, you know, we, we talked about it a lot, was that the level of athleticism and professionalism from the top handful of men was super, super impressive. So yeah. I think yeah. it, for now, it's, it's gonna, this format's going to elevate the sport because you've got, you're going to have no choice but to be ultimately prepared. Yeah, it's exciting stuff. It was uh, it was super interesting to watch. It. it was a long day of watching racing. I guess on site for fans that must be pretty cool because you've literally got like people going all in all day. So for the fans that are there, I guess yeah, that's a, that's a really good thing. It was, it was pretty busy. It, was, it seemed to be busier here than previous years. So I think June is a good time for Lenzer Hyde. I don't know if previous races in July. I don't know if a lot of Swiss people go on their own holidays in July, so they're not actually around to watch the racing. And I, I had the impression that the downhill was busier than the cross country, which is which is pretty rare here. Um, tons of people trackside first off camber wood section that you would have seen on, on all the raw footage was was super busy I could hear it from the start line when I was up at the start line with the riders so yeah super super interesting that um, that um, the fans just I suppose could work their way up and down the mountain all day long there's just non-stop bike riding happening practice and double racing you know yeah that's definitely a good thing from that perspective let's talk about Lear Gang I think uh, yeah. fair to say a track of two halves a, a track of three pieces four pieces I don't know how many pieces <laughs> a track a of many bits. pieces yeah 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 I've actually I've just started the the, the work on prep for Leo Gang or kind of finishing off what was started before we got to these venues and definitely yeah it's quite a contrast to to Lenzerhide uh, it's similar in some, in some sections the motorway section and the high speed sections and stuff and yeah, I suppose a lot of the feedback from the riders this week is that the track here was in Lenzerhide was probably a touch too fast and that's probably because of the this low taping we have, this new course marking, which is, has lots of benefits. But one of the drawbacks is that it's not very visually available on a, a blind crest or whatever, which means that it has to be taped quite wide to avoid any ambiguity with course limits. So you, you don't half jump over a thing when you shouldn't be jumping over a thing. So, yeah, that's something that the ESO are definitely going to have to work on and the feedback's already in. And, and they're really keen to work to make sure it's sportingly fair and visually appealing. So um, the mismet the track here was super fast. It was one of, if not the fastest races ever. It was on pace with Leger last year, so 30, 43 kilometers an hour for Jordan Williams, average speed Jeez. over some pretty chunky terrain. So Leo Gang has, won't be that fast because of the bottom woods. Um, unless it's bone dry, uh, but Leo Gang's top half to the entrance to Valley's Hill, the famous wood section now, will be as fast, if not more. So, yeah, 
Do you think that the, the that taping leading to the increase in speed is why we've seen such a high attrition rate this weekend? Like it feels like the highest level of attrition we've seen from a World Cup, or maybe it's just bigger names that have gone down. Yeah. I don't know. So names names skew the uh, skew the data for sure. Unfortunately, you know, the bigger, the more high profile the names are, the the more the fans and the public think that something was dangerous or there was a pattern. Um, but as many people know, you can be fooled by randomness and it can just genuinely be a random, just a random occurrence, just just genuine coincidence, you know. You'd, you have to act, actually do some data analysis with data we don't have. So <laughs> it's impossible, isn't it? I don't really know. But yeah, speeds were high from very early on in practice because the track was basically taped as it was last year just a touch wider in spots so that brand new section the off the grassy off camber um, and once you cross the first road into the woods was super fast here in Lenzerhide um, because it was new it was old not new like last year and that's what kept the speeds high and Leo Gang's the same it's like it's old 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 track now you know the, the initial meadows out of the Starkey tight right hand berm you cross that meadow it doesn't get ridden any other time of the year but it's pretty baked now compared to the very first time we rode it you know there's lots of steps and kind of hard pack um i was gonna say marches but that's french hard pack kind of steps um that are you know ready to be leaned on high speed off camber stuff so i think yeah it's definitely probably going to be fast next week at least for a lot of it and i we have heard that they've they've straightened out some sections in a few spots to make it you know just flow better because in previous years when the weather came in it just doesn't look it's not fun to ride it doesn't look great on tv so the rumor on the the rumor on the circuit probably mainly from the enduro guys who are already in the area uh, prepping for uh, Enduro World Cup this week as well. They've said that, yeah, there's a couple of straighter sections, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Now, any other significant changes that we're aware of, or is it just sort of taping tweaks and things, that, as far as we know? Yeah, famous, the famous stump section onto the motorway apparently might be a little bit taped, rooted a bit differently. Um, that, that's been rooted progressively more left the last kind of five seasons. Mm-hmm. It originally started far riders right and kind of meandered a bit and then it got left and left and further left and then Reese's famous gap from 2020 opened up and some crazy gaps a few years before that that Flo Paillet pioneered with his massive legs across stump to stumps and stuff. They opened up and, and now it's pretty it's pretty roasted really now. It's just burnt into, you know, bedrock. Not bedrock, but whatever it is. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they do with it because it definitely needs a refresh. Lot, lots of it needs a refresh. And I think all these repeat venues, we need options to have a you know two or three sections or sectors that are completely different from year to year mm-hmm. really that's what yeah. we need so i'm super i'm really excited to see because um eso have already been on site in leo gang so the downhill track looks like it's already taped from what i've seen whereas historically uci would arrive tomorrow and mm-hmm. local organizers on monday or tuesday would start taping it out and then uci would would go technical delegate would go on the track on Wednesday to give it the okay. Whereas now it looks like the track's ready to go already since last week. So we're we got more staff, there's more money with the new series. So there's there's definitely some positives to the new series. So Yeah, it's good stuff. And and dry at the moment over there as far as we know. Yeah, Sonny, one of the one of the riders I coached sent me a, a picture. He was uh sitting in the river having an ice bath in Leo Gang and he, I, said, I asked him how the weather was and he took a picture of a big blue sky so so far so good yeah I don't think we've ever raced that new bottom section in the dry have we not that I can remember it's no, always but it's ended awesome. up some, of the, some of the guys I coached were there um, for a training camp earlier this year and I saw a lot, a lot of riders were there it opened quite early and there was some big gaps happening in the lower woods because it was bone dry finally so you could just send it from route to route so the weather looks a bit a bit dubious for the weekend but if it does stay dry 
genuinely dry, we'll be in for some serious maneuvers, I can tell you. From what I've seen here this week, we'll be in for some big maneuvers. Bruni unlocked the the gap from the wall section. That's yeah, that an, gap out was insane. That's an Xbox unlock. That's down up <laughs> X triangle plus plus. That's what that is. And he made it look super easy and smooth. Like no issue. Do you know when he first did it? Like did he save it? He did in semis. <clears throat> he did in semis, okay. and he did it in finals. And I didn't hear about it or notice it very well in in uh, practice. Um. We get we get a beer into Malia gang. We'll ask him. I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was an impressive gap. So yeah, it'd be great to see that that section if it is dry. What what is the track like from a physical demands perspective compared to Lenzhide? And I guess to some extent this is going to be weather dependent. But um, it's not easy. It's longer. So I think yeah, weather dependent. You've definitely hit the nail on the head. If we have a, a wet cold week like we have had previously in Leo gang, that's a, that's a big week with a new schedule, especially back to back. Um. And I think the impacts and the vibrations, as, as we've spoken about in different podcasts before, that aren't really quantified or understood as well as they could be for downhill. And that's really where the fatigue is coming from. You know, there's, there's a big immune response to the, the constant vibration of all of the cells getting rattled down a mountain. Um, and that's probably has a delayed, a delayed effect. I don't know what the time course is on the delay. It's definitely something we should investigate better. Um, so I think, yeah, by the time, by the end of, this coming weekend when we're racing a Leo gang, there might be a lot of tired bodies. So the track itself is, it's not the most physical um, in some ways, but in other ways, if you want to ride it to win it, you can't really, you can't really hold back anywhere except with a real tactical or strategic motorway, which we do see here, you know, people relax. Or you can do the Reese Wilson 2020 approach, which is, you know, top 10 in the top two sectors, a consistent motorway, very relaxed, and get the body ready to dominate the woods. But not everyone has the technical riding ability that Reese has to do that, you know. So, mixed bag, I think, depending on how good you are, how good your bike is, how good the setup is, how good your head is, what your strategy is going to be for the three runs that get you points, quality semis and finals. Track is physical, it's not the most physical. You can make it physical by making errors and having to pedal more or doing a poor job in the woods. And if you watch last year's live footage, replays from Red Bull, you'll see a lot of people yanking handlebars around the woods. And you don't really want to be yanking handlebars. You know, you've got, you've got mechanical energy. So mechanical energy is the, the addition of potential and kinetic. And you want to be keeping them. You want to be adding to the pot. You know what I mean? Not removing from the pot. So you want to be putting kinetic energy back into potential so you can use it again for free, not yanking handlebars around, turning it into muscle heat and tire heat you know yeah you want to be efficient basically yeah effective or efficient i think it's effective is a better scientific word okay <laughs> i'll go i'll go with you on that and that, that's the riders right but the mechanics the team staff have all been in this like pressure cooker environment for the last week the, the conditions were changing quite a bit throughout the week so i guess there was quite a lot of bike puzzling and tire changing and all that kind of stuff they've then got to take the whole pit down drive five hours, mm. clean it all, put it all back up and go straight into it again. Do you think we're, I mean, this is probably the heaviest load that a lot of the staff have been under at a World Cup. Do you think we might potentially see mistakes getting made? Are we are we into that sort of territory no, or is it still manageable? I honestly, no, I don't, I don't think so. I think everyone's pretty well dialed. Um, the, for the staff, Wednesday is a busier day, but really the rest of the, rest of the schedule kind of stays the same. You arrive on Monday, you can't put the pits up until Tuesday because of logistic challenges with most of the venues being used for other things, you know, like the pits here at Lenzerheide are a road, a public road. Um, 
Leo Gang, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a functioning bike park with a big car park, so they'll have that closed off from probably Monday afternoon or Tuesday morning ready to go. So I think, no, I, everyone decompressed yesterday. There was some good partying done yesterday, especially with Specialized having 135 on the podium and Rachel, you know, coming back to a win. So there was lots of partying done yesterday. So I think a lot of people decompressed. There was a lot of people riding bikes today, enjoying the sunshine. So I think for now it would be good. If we were doing three or four weeks back to back, you know, motorsport style, then then we'd start to see some some mistakes like high profile motorsport teams make I won't mention any names but uh, <laughs> um, I think for now we'll be fine that side of things will be fine I think everyone will get to Liu Gang Liu Gang the venue is so compact Le, you know a couple of famous hotels dotted right in the venue with real good food everyone meets up to kind of continue to decompression earlier in the week and chat and have good food and a drink um, <clears throat> accommodation is very close to the venue riders roll to and from on bikes usually uh, no no hassle no traffic getting to and from things the lift is again pretty quick the hill itself isn't super long we only go halfway up or less um, we get out with the mid station of the gondola and Leo gang so you're looking at about 450 meter elevation drop 430 meters or something um, check the Instagram post later <laughs> later today you'll see <laughs> yeah. the staff back. Um, so no I think by and large everyone will, will be absolutely fine the, the venue's beautiful there's a lot of known knowns with the venue, so we should be good, you know. Yeah, good stuff. You mentioned Rachel Atherton. Do you think we'll see the women's leaders jersey in Leah Gang? She said no initially, but it's, there's got to be I, a, a desire. Yeah, that, that woman's a racer through and through, isn't she, as we saw yesterday? Um, you know, an amazing athlete and a fantastic racer. So um, she very well could show up and see if she can do it again. Uh, although she does know herself that, you know, Leah Gang's a, a physical challenge, especially if wet. You know, the bottom woods for for all the riders especially when the ladies try and you know smash a winning run top to bottom it is very very hard and you can see like last year Cami Ballanche did an amazing job and beat everyone by almost 12 seconds by by having a, an extremely measured run and then dominating the woods so I'm not quite sure if Rachel's ready she knows she knows the demands of Leo Gang and that track I'm not quite sure she feels ready herself so we'll have to wait and see yeah, fingers crossed. It'd be good to see her there. And again, you mentioned Specialised Gravity. We're enjoying the party last night. It feels like the battle of the mega teams has begun and the first scalp has gone to Specialised Gravity, but Syndicate were pretty close. Two riders on the podium and then Jackson in sixth. Like It's going to be cool to see these big teams battling out through the season. Eh? Like they could, Well, they already are starting to lock out podium spaces. Yeah, I think maybe you know previously we've seen teams having a single high-profile rider or a high-profile male and female. And the way Specialized have done things, Syndicate have done things, um, Canyon Factory Racing to a point, FMD as well maybe now, if, if Phoebe Gale progresses to where she can do as an elite woman, you know, she qualified fourth here. Um, I think, yeah, some of the some teams, the, the approach is going to be, is going to change. And it's going to be very different to a lot of, a lot of sports, maybe closer to motocross or maybe not even closer to, I'm not sure what sport, where you have four high-profile stars capable of, of podium results on a single team. You know, it's it's interesting how it's going at the moment. So, yeah. Cool to yeah, see. Interesting to, yeah. yeah, interesting to see how the relationships develop within these teams. I think we've we mentioned it before, the syndicate are pretty tight. They've done a lot of, like, team stuff away from the races. Not quite sure how much of that's been done. It's obviously not been as public domain with specialised gravity, but... It's got to be kind of tough for Loic and uh, Finn to watch the new guy stroll in, not get the latest like prototype bike, 
have to learn all the kit, everything, and then go and do that on the race day and, and beat them. Yeah, that's, funny. that's, a, that's a hard people, pill to swallow. People have mentioned the, the bike, the non-prototype bike and that sort of thing uh, a lot, um, not knowing what the new bike is because it's got a bag, or in Loeg's case, it's got a, a plastic fairing-esque cover on it now. Um, interesting people do mention that, and I think that's because mountain biking is, is quite biased towards product fever. Uh, for whatever reason that's you know a lot of the the reason so many riders love the sport is because of the the technical side of things the product side of things and the reality is you know finn got a a third and a sixth on that bike the old bike last year he got a concussion in between those two results and lloyd bruni was world champion in the most sensational style known to man on that very bicycle so yeah i I don't know people are yeah People are putting a lot of weight in the fact that Jordan's on the old equipment, but I think the reality is that prototype is an expensive piece of kit to, to manufacture, from what I understand. Yeah. Um, so yeah, easier would have been easier for Jordan to uh, get on the older aluminium frame uh, far earlier uh, last year when he would have started riding a specialized, I assume. And maybe it was Jordan's decision to stay. We don't know. A lot of people are making some large assumptions that, for whatever reason. Mr. Jordan Williams is not allowed to have the prototype or whatever. Maybe it's his decision. We don't know. We have to, we have to be um, not cautious, but you need to just be uh, intelligent in your in your deductions about these things. You know what I mean? For sure. And yeah. I did, yeah, I did speak, I speak after, spoke to Finn after the race. And he, he definitely said that Jordan's, because he's new to the whole uh, Olin's approach and the, the specialized gravity approach to setting the bikes up and stuff, that Jordan's closer to his what he's used to in terms of more a more sprung, less damped setup mm-hmm. um, and he's making it work very well for himself so yeah interesting I think the whole that whole crew will continue to develop what they've got it's really really interesting you know yeah super interesting and a bit of a tough weekend for Comansal team with Miriam missing and then Amory getting injured and Thibaut looking like he was going well but having a, a, a fairly big uh, mistake out on track any idea how Amory's doing like he's King of the comeback, he showed that last year. But have you had the chance to see him around or find out whether we think he'll be racing this um, week? Yeah, he was, he was sitting in the pits earlier, earlier on today as everyone was taking down the pits around him, having some food. Um, apparently feeling better than he did yesterday, which is obviously a positive. But other, other than that, I don't know anything, yeah. So I just have to wait and see. Yeah, Definitely okay, a tough weekend good. for that team, like you said. Huh? Thibaut had a, a pretty pretty poor run in finals. Ugo Marini did well, though. He got himself a podium in juniors, finally, which is really cool to see because he's a super nice kid with a lot of potential so that's good definitely definitely yeah any other sort of standout performances from last weekend there's the obvious ones but was there anyone maybe a bit lower down the sheets that has caught your attention that you think we should be keeping an eye on like in Leergang or throughout the rest of the season yeah I'm I'm interested to see the people that kind of excelled totally like Jordan Williams or Bruni or Finn or Laurie or whoever you know people who excelled um in this race whether they'll excel next week and see if this is the trend for the season and then whether people like say Gracie Hemstreet who won sectors four and five in semis and finals in the women's which a lot of people might not have copped yet and whether she'll be able to win more sectors next week um, or whether that was you know specific to this track or specific to the circumstances or who knows so yeah we don't we don't really have enough yet do we we haven't seen enough racing yet to know what's what exactly is what and so yeah, super, super interesting to see. And obviously Nina Hoffman did injure her knee. It's still a bit sore, she said, but definitely coming, going in the good direction. So it'll be super in- interesting to see whether, you know, it comes really good next week, whether Nina can battle it out with with Cami, who's been the queen of Leo Gang for a couple of seasons now. You know, genuinely the queen last year. Um, so, yeah, really, really interesting. I would definitely miss Miriam. I think, uh, 
um, Rachel's winning time um, versus the men's winning time was about four and a half seconds slower than Rachel's la- than Miriam's last year. Okay. Miriam was about 20, 24 seconds off Amory's time last year. Rachel was about 28 seconds off Jordan's time yesterday. So uh-huh. there's, there's definitely a bit of because Now we go to these repeat track. There's a bit of longitudinal analysis you can do. And so it'd be, it's going to be super interesting to see how that sort of thing pans out in Liu Gang, especially if Rachel shows up and we get to see Rachel race again, you know? Yeah. And great to see Tani back between the tapes. Like that was a pretty special moment as well, seeing her lit through that off camber and probably not quite where she planned to be, but like she can uh, still hang on to her bike and, uh, and race super fast. Eh? Yeah. Definitely feeling the fatigue um, in finals. In, not, not in a really serious not in a significant way but in a way that she didn't know what it was going to give her so not having had you know a lot of racing under the belt for the last 14 months uh, feeling a bit fatigued after doing you know set qualities and semis and being in this environment again didn't really know kind of what what to expect with it uh, so I think next time out now in Leah Gang's a whole, a whole host of experience under the belt uh, she made the biggest improvement from qualities to uh, finals uh, 12 and a half seconds uh, Valley made a bigger improvement that's because Valley crashed in qualities so discount that Marine was next about a second back on, on Tani's improvement so obviously Marine's in a similar situation in some ways coming back from you know two broken backs in two seasons um, so it's real cool to see Marine get a podium Tani you know progress massively throughout the whole week here a little bit off where she wants to be but it's kind of irrelevant at this stage so yeah and Gracie Hemstreet very close to the podium um, and Phoebe Gale made a you know a bit of a mess of semi-finals, just trying too hard, but qualified fourth uh, the day before. So we've got some exciting ladies racing to come to you again. Yeah, definitely, man. Well, I will be uh, hopping on a plane very soon, coming out to join you lot trackside uh, for my first World yeah, Cup I, of I, the year. I need an extra set of hands to video. Do you? I need an extra set of hands to video. Do you want to? Do you want to join? I'll get on the dad cam. There we go, dad cam version two. Nice one. Well, it's been a been a pleasure to catch up. I'm super excited to get out there and uh, see a race in the flesh in this new format. And uh, yeah, look forward to catching up with you in the week. Yeah, I'll see you. I'll see you out there trackside. I do have some jobs here, genuinely. So um, please, please call or text when you arrive. <laughs> All right, that's it for this Maxis Tires pre-race show with Chris. I really hope you've enjoyed listening. A massive thank you to Maxis for supporting this season. Maxis have got incredible tyres for you no matter how or where you ride so head over to maxis.com or visit your local Maxis dealer and check them out. Here's a few of the links that might be useful to you too. Downtimepodcast.com forward slash follow so you never miss an episode forward slash shop to support the show by getting yourself some merch and forward slash EP if you'd like to get yourself copies of our lovely print project Downtime EP. If you want to help support the show, then you can set up a regular donation over at patreon.com forward slash downtime podcast. That's Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. As always, spread the word and make sure as many people as possible are listening. That's it for today. But until next time, get out and ride. (laughs)